This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Please insert disc 31475. Thank you. Welcome to Get to the Good Part, Episode 2, Part 1. Welcome to Get to the Good Part. I'm Ryan. I'm John. And with us today is a buddy of mine from uh, a guy that I work with, actually. Uh, His name is uh, Chris. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. So we're excited to have Chris today, uh, mainly because he knows what the fuck he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) No. I played off really well. In in a way that we don't and, and never probably will. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's just you saying that I'm old. No, and, it's not. It's experience. not an age thing. It's he understands experience. it in a way that we don't understand. As in, like he knows the stuff from before we were born. Wise, it's wisdom, man. It's wisdom. That's what it is. <laughs> the wisdom that can only be gained from years on earth. Yeah, what I right. wouldn't give to have your wisdom in my youth. <laughs> oh, God, that makes two of us. <laughs> You're lucky you're in Utah, man. I can, I can yeah. see he's going to wind well, up just, just punch I just you. say so because I'm the youngest of the three. Yeah. <laughs> By a year, John. Yeah, I know. But I can rub it in, can't it I? Count. Not like you're the baby of the group. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. Um, Chris, uh, Chris is going to bring a lot to the conversation. Uh, basically, his background is in uh, – well, why don't you tell him, Chris? Well, I, I'm a programmer. Uh, so I've been playing games since, oh man, since, uh, well, I was writing games since fifth grade, which is like so long ago, like mid eighties, uh, it, and, um, played all of the games that we're talking about grew up during that period of time watching the movies. And this is the reason why I really dug the book because I'm not actually hitting it from the vantage point of the characters. I'm kind of like, I'm the old people that they talk about that appreciate the youngsters loving that period of time. <laughs> and and reminiscing in it so it's it's neat to kind of read the book and hear their experience and and love of that material and me reflect back and go yeah yeah that's right that was some cool stuff (laughs) which in reality in comparison now like i'll fire it up after years i'll toss in my vhs and i'll go and i'll watch it and it'll be like this was really oh my god that was horrible in comparison to like today right like (laughs) if it was if that's if some of that stuff was like hit the theaters today no, it'd be tossed out, but there's a lot of nostalgia, and it, it just spoke to people at that period of time, and hairstyles, and it's cheesy, but I love it. Yeah, a lot a lot of shit really did slip through the cracks in the 80s, man, <laughs> if you yeah. think about it. Like, the, like you, you make a good point there, like, it, like, stuff that would just never have been made. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, the, it, the style and, and a number of the movies that just went on to be classics were really just like reflections of that time they were the extremes of that period of time 
you know, kind of like the hair bands that had the wildest hair were the ones that somehow got remembered. Yeah. yeah. It, well, so kind of like that. That was why I always liked. Um, God, what was the name of that? What was the name of that concert film that um, Talking Heads did? Was it Stop Making Sense? Oh, I don't know. Where where David Byrne wore that ju- that suit with the shoulder pads that went that sounds that you. sounds right. Oh, dude, that's every band, man. Yeah, just, like, but, but he, he did it like he did it almost like a caricature. I mean, like it was like eight feet long. <laughs> yeah, wow. And it was just okay. it was it was great. It was it was I loved it because it was you know I mean for a guy to be you know self referential about the eighties <laughs> while the eighties is happening, it's like my hat is off to you, sir. Well, it's kind of like those shoes, the, the ones that, that are so long that you find, like, uh, uh, I think it's Mexico, I guess. The, the ones that they, they're in such competition and how long the shoe is that they curl up. <laughs> Have you seen those? No. Oh, my God. They've got these seen shoes. Them. And whoever has, whoever has the longest shoe wins. And it's gotten to the point now where the shoes are so long that they curl. Like and this something, is like, is that like, like, like a fucking thing? Like that's this like is something a, a Willy Wonka, you know, uh, you know, an Oompa Loompa shoe or something where it just goes out and curls up. This, I don't want to reflect too much on it, but yeah, that's that's exactly what the shoulder pad thing was. It was just whoever had the longest shoulder uh, pads won. That was a, that was definitely an '80s thing. That is bizarre. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, what I've what I've really tried to do here is create gaps in time so I can look this up on Google because that just sounds like the weirdest thing in the world. You should long shoes. I'm imagining Whoville. I'm imagining Doctor Seuss characters. It kind of looks like that. Yeah. It's something like that. Seriously, it's bizarre. Obviously but, uh... strange. All right, so. That that's something that well, maybe we'll maybe we'll pull out some pictures of that and throw them up in the show notes <laughs> just just to give everyone a visual. Yeah, but I, and I'll, I'll definitely pull expert up, of shoes. I will Fantastic. definitely pull up that David Byrne picture and throw that in the show notes because that's something you have to see. You have to see that. It's just bizarre. Um, anyways, as we always do, um, we're going to give a brief summary of the chapter here for those of you who have not read the book. But let's face it, if you haven't, you're probably not listening to this. <laughs> if you are, welcome. And you have a friend in John. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so this, this is, this is going to be a really simple uh, and quick summary. Because as to, to summarize, it, you know, there's a lot that goes on with the story in this chapter. But the setting is pretty, um, is pretty much the same throughout. Uh, you spend a lot of time in, in Wade's head in this chapter, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, but anyways, it begins with Wade materializing in his school within the, Oath- the Oasis. Um, basically, we, we get an idea of the setting uh, in the school, a little bit of history about public schools um, leading up to 2045, and... Uh, kind of the state of, of, of education in the United States in 2045. Um, basically, to, to sum it all up, is it's a hell of a lot better to go to school in the Oasis than it is in the real world. That's really not that hard to imagine. We also go into a little bit of history about uh, Wade's avatar name, as he calls it in there, um, is, but Parzival, why he chose that, and a little bit of history about his avatar name. Um, we also meet probably one of my favorite characters in the book. I'll call it a character 
for now. Um, but it's essentially the the antagonist of the story um, is IOI, and we're given we're given kind of a, a little bit of their history uh, with regard to the hunt. Um, Wade also introduces us to the uh, hunter forums, um, the hatchery, uh, where he gives us a little bit of the goings-on of Gunters today. He also introduces us to a uh, blogger named Artemis, who we may or may not hear from in the future of the book. Not going to say. I figured. John, you got this shit-eating grin on your face like you might have read ahead a little bit. And I'm going to get mad if you did. I did not read ahead. I just figured, I mean, why else would he talk about her? Her. Because she's hot. Well, yeah. Well, according to him, she's hot. I don't know if she's actually hot. But... Her avatar is hot. Her avatar her is avatar hot. hot. Rubidesque. He's... All curves. <laughs> he's, he's saving pictures. And he's <laughs> but not them. overly hot. No, Which not makes overly Not too hot. Like, real hot. Real, real, real hot. You know, she's real hot. Like, she, like she's... <laughs> like, touched up hot. Human hot. <laughs> you know? like <laughs> We'll call it human hot. Because that's a thing in the Oasis. That can be a thing. <laughs> She's um, con hot. We also, at the very, very end of this chapter, and this is why I love doing this book chapter by chapter, at the very end of this chapter, we also meet another character, H. H. Um, his significance in the story uh, will be uh, will become apparent in you know in the in the coming chapters. Um, Suffice it to say, for those of you who have read the book, Chris and I, on this podcast, <laughs> um, H is H is a favorite. I would say, out of out of the characters that we've met so far, Chris is 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 H one of your favorites. Um, I really like Parsible. <laughs> uh, it's it's a uh, yeah, wow. Is it what? Yes. Yes, definitely one of my faves. But I think, you know, in order to have a really good story, you've got to have a really, really good bad guy. And the introduction of IOI in this chapter, this really lays it down as to the influences in his life. And yeah. I'm not going to go too deep into that because the chapter ends just as you're introduced to H. Yeah. And uh, but you, you know, he, he tells you this is like my best friend. This is, you know, one of my only friends, you know, so you, for the yeah, lady you, with know, cats. you know, he's going to be along for the ride. And, you know, they, the book lays it down, and it feels like as you go through the book, there isn't a detail that is unnecessary or unintentional. So, I, did, you, did you get that feeling, John? Yes. Yeah, I've, take, I've taken extensive notes. <laughs> <laughs> you almost have to. Yeah, I don't want to miss anything. Well, and, and it feels like, you know, like there are some authors that just go into crazy detail about completely useless stuff. This author doesn't do that. I mean, he introduces a lot of details, but you know that the details that are being entertained are because the characters need to know those details. You've got to know that they've really studied. And uh, Artemis and H and IOI uh, have a very purposeful introduction in this chapter. I'm glad you brought this up, though, because this is something when we were still trying to get you on the call, Chris, um, John and I were actually talking about details because uh, it's really it's it's you can imagine how difficult it is having not read the book. If you've got to sit down and talk about it for an hour plus. What details are going to be important because you don't mm -hmm. want to spend you don't want to spend an hour taking notes and like digging into something that's not going to matter. 
But one of the things that we talked about, and we both kind of stuck on this as a detail, and you, you probably saw it in, in the notes that I sent, is that it's 2045. We have an unthinkably large, um, you know, virtual world in the Oasis. And the best thing we've come up with so far is subtle hand gestures to move your character. That just seems impractical. (laughs) Yeah, it it seems like the one detail in this entire chapter that was kind of, you know, looked over. Yeah, he just like, well, okay, so you could use voice commands if your hands are otherwise occupied. One sentence he dedicates to something that if you play games and if if you're into virtual reality is like one of the biggest conundrums right now. Is how user, do you move your avatar? Well, it's yeah. a user interface issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, when they set up, you know, when they set up their 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 gameplay or whatever. I mean, they have to they have the the way that they want their controller set up, you know, or right. their their keys uh, set up uh, if they're playing uh, on the computer. But like, yeah, to to just say, oh, subtle hand movements that that does my walking for me. It's not quite well, enough. Well, Chris, you, you have a little bit of background in virtual reality, right? Yes, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Okay. And uh, it's it's uh, disorientating, first off, to have this thing over your face and not be able to see the world beyond it. So the idea of having an interface or a console that your fingers are potentially typing on, it's hard. Because the minute you take your hands off, you've got to replace them. And, I, you know, there's an intuitive way to do that. You know, so the keyboard has little bumps for your, for your forefingers. But it's still, it's still disorientating. So I can't imagine having a, an interface. And I can't imagine having to use gestures with my hands to be reflected in this world. And I'm just trying to imagine because I so badly want this world to be a real thing. So my, the back of my head's like, how the hell would I do it? How would I do it? And I'm pretty sure that if I'm walking, the hand gesture I'm not going to use is just my two fingers doing this. <laughs> you know? Kind of scissoring you, you back and forth. You can't see that if you're listening. But... And, uh, <laughs> I, I it, it, it's not a it's not a stretch for me to to describe it. It's just literally Chris is making his fingers like two legs that are walking. <laughs> You've seen it before. It's a, it's it's hysterical but in this context. But then you can't though. wave with that hand while you're walking. Or or that left hand is doing something awkward, or maybe it's dead at your at your side or something. I'm not how sure you would make that natural. But, you know, I mean, it, it kind of would make sense because you could do the walking motion. And if you get angry, you could just kick somebody. Like, go away. <laughs> just go. Just flicking my finger out, and that's the action for kicking you someone You could do in the, the rockette stance, but that would be about it. <laughs> uh, so I could kind of see that. And, uh, again, I don't want to jump ahead in the book, but I think what he's describing is the cheapest, most government handout way of the equipment they're going to give you and you're just making do with what you've got and at the moment it's just hand gestures and a quasi crappy uh, video interface because he does mention that you know even in the better consoles you can't tell that it's any different from reality Mm -hmm. when he's describing the school and whatnot so I imagine that that's one of those challenges that if you just don't have a lot of money, you just look kind of kind of dumb walking using your fingers. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Okay, so so because you do have some experience with virtual reality, I haven't, I, I haven't even had an opportunity to try it yet. I want to so bad, but I haven't. Have you, it has to have crossed your mind. If you were to do it, what way would you do it? Like handle motion in virtual reality? 
I, you know, I, I put it on my shoes. And then I would use my shoes and tap my feet to move forward and kind of like tank treads. If I keep one foot down, I turn right. If I keep my left foot down a little bit longer, I'm turning left. But I would okay. just use my feet to kind of tap back and forth, back and forth. And that works. That would work really cool because you think he's he's sitting in this sun chair, isn't he? Like he's in the back of his van, really sitting in a sun chair. And he's got these goggles and these, these gloves on. And I could imagine maybe putting a couple nodes on your feet that kind of know when you kind of toe-tap and to move. I'd put it on your feet because you need your hands for stuff. Like I'm running right. and I'm pointing yeah. and I'm shooting. I, you know, I can't do all three <laughs> using my fingers yeah, to I, run. I had, I had mentioned to Ryan, uh, you remember like the Nintendo gamepad that you laid on the yeah. floor and that, you know, you could do like track and track and field with it and everything. I was thinking, I mean, I thought something like that would be even more appropriate. Like Dance Dance Revolution? Like Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> but I don't think that came out in the 80s. Okay, but. so it, it, this was this was mine. Do you remember, it, it, Chris, please tell me you know the name of this, because John and I, it was right before we started the show, so I haven't had time to look it up. But do you remember, it like, it, it was a toy that came out in the 90s. The middle of it was like a ball that was inflated, and then it had a plastic disc that went around it, so it kind of looked like Saturn. But people would put it on the ground, and they would step on the plastic part, and they would and jump. They would jump. Yeah. No, I don't, but I do remember using it. Um... Everybody, like, at least one kid in your neighborhood had it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was awkward. Oh, you didn't do it more than three times. I, no. <laughs> my that, not at all. If you think about it, that would be, I, I think that would be a really good way to handle it, because you could just set that on the ground and put your feet on either side of it, and then you just maneuver it like a skateboard, where you just kind of, like, lean your feet forward a little bit, lean it back. So it's, it's basically almost like a joystick for your feet. It, it was so difficult. Like, you would wear you out. It would yeah. wear out your ankles. Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing is that that would be less of an advantage than than, than more of one. You'd, you'd think, like, that's, that would be more realistic. Well, ho- well, the hope is that realistic would be more useful. Yeah. But no. no well, that no, that, I'm painful. not saying, like, you hop on it or anything like that. You would just sit down, and it would sit on the floor. Oh. And then you would just rest your feet on either side of it, and then you would like lean with your feet. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's almost yeah. like it's almost like the right stick on a, a console controller. Only you, you you just put it to your feet, so that okay. you can move it in that way. So you'd kind of you move your feet forward. That's forward. Maybe you exactly, shift it a yeah. little bit and then right. You could, yeah, you could diagonal with it that way. I could totally see that. Yes. Yeah, I believe it's Something. called a pogo ball. Does that sound correct? That sounds correct. Yeah. I, yeah, well, I mean, that's stick. like, like if you were to say, I, like, you know, like, that is like just a literal translation of the image of this fucking toy. Well, I just looked it up. <laughs> Far less dangerous than the pogo stick. Yeah. If you, if you fell, you did not, well, the, the stick didn't kill, or the ball didn't kill you. The yeah, stick most certainly could. Jackie and the chin when you missed. Oh, my God. <laughs> A pogo well, stick was made of metal. Yeah. You know, the pogo ball was like safe plastic a pogo yes. stick is a fucking weapon man it, it really is, is. <laughs> it's a dull axe basically i just some kid down the street got one for christmas and i know this because christmas morning and it was pretty warm here for christmas this year but christmas morning he's out on his front sidewalk and he's hopping around on this thing and i'm thinking to myself if you asked for that that wasn't just something that they bought and brought to you if if you asked for that you're going to regret it in about three hours <laughs> because that's, that's about how much it's going to time for you to stick that thing in the back of your closet and never look at it again. 
All right. So, so yes, I, I agree. The little ball on the platform would be an awesome way to, to handle that. That yeah, just one idea. I don't know if it would be realistic. You're, you you would know better than I would, but I I, I don't know. I, I like that idea, as 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 somebody who plays games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. That yep. just seems like a comfortable solution to me. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, at any rate, just slightly before we uh, we find out that subtle hand motions are the way that you go in the Oasis, um, Wade materializes in front of his locker. Um, a locker that is adorned with a picture of Leia with a blaster pistol. Um, the cast of Monty Python um, from from the set of the Holy Grail. And uh, the the picture of Halliday on the cover of Time Magazine from 2014. That was a, a reference back to the prologue. Um, they mentioned that there, too. Um, this is a cool part. You know, I like the idea, and we'll get into this a little more as we go. But I really like the idea of going to school in virtual reality. And I don't think that's something that's too far off. One of my favorite things, though, just right off the bat, is the fact that he taps on his books, adds them to his inventory, oh, yeah. and he's done. That was that is Yeah, that is pretty sweet. I mean, I... I... I went back to thinking, uh, uh, you know, like playing the Elder Scrolls games or something, you know, adding something to your inventory like that. Because he even mentions he has like a flashlight and then an iron short sword and like a yeah. shield <laughs> and, then, yeah, yeah. and armor. And I'm like, this is totally like the beginnings of my Elder Scroll character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Torch. <laughs> Algebra 2. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, but here, okay. So I do not mean to be a jerk about the book. I, I like, but there are going to be times when, when when I'll call this out as criticism. Okay, like when you're designing a game or, or something as huge as the Oasis. I mean, obviously they want to make this this interface, especially for a school, seem as authentic as possible. But if your books are in your inventory, why the hell would you need a locker? Unless there's a <laughs> wow, you're right. Uh, Unless there's a carry weight, like obviously, would you play I'm an assuming RPG? Be a carry you, weight. Yeah, yeah, you have like a limit to what you can carry. Otherwise, you become over um, over encumbered, and you can't you can't walk around very quickly. That that's that's in most RPGs, um, or you, sometimes you can't move at all, depending on the game. But uh, so so for that reason, I could see why you would have a locker. But there's really no other reason for it. Yeah, why would you... And it, why, like, when you log out, before you log out, oh, let me just go ahead and empty my inventory real quick before I log out. <laughs> there's no purpose in that. Yeah. And, and plus, like, quest items and stuff like that in most RPGs weigh nothing. So you could just keep the books <laughs> in there and assign them no weight at all. You're right. I, I can't think of... Uh, I, can't, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't just keep your books on you. And more importantly, why would I be bringing my sword to school? Right. If there, let's say that let's say that there's a, a weight limit. Let's say this isn't a bag of holding, and I'm putting my algebra next to my iron sword. <laughs> I, I think I think I would hang my sword up and then grab the books. I like there are a lot of games where there are storage points, but that's only because you have limited inventory, yeah, too much or shit. a limited weight. But you know, of all the things that are encumbering, <laughs> encumbering. <laughs> It, a, a sword probably is is one of those. That's probably that's probably worth you know three or four books worth 
of uh, of weight. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd hang. I think I'd hang my sword up. I'd be like, I'm at school. <laughs> well, and, but and he's also got leather. He's also got leather armor, but he can't wear it. He's wearing like a t-shirt and jeans. So why are you even <laughs> carrying that with you? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of so. That's that's an interesting point, but I, I, I also totally get the idea that you would want similar symbols around that you could relate to. And I, I like the idea of, of picking a book and sticking it someplace. I also like the idea of having a book where you could put it someplace where you could show a locker is probably not the best way to do that. But if you'd imagine VR, I think in five years where they start doing that mixed reality stuff, mm-hmm. imagine not having a bookshelf in your living room and not having any books, but you come in and your glasses paint a bookshelf in 3d mm. against the wall and all of your books are there. And if you want to read it, you can go up and tap it. When somebody comes into your house and they put on glasses, they see your bookshelf, they see all your books, they see your paintings. Imagine everything that does not require a tactile interface, including your television, your stereo system, everything but the couch. All of that is is virtually painted into your environment and and on display. So, yeah, the books might not seem like a realistic thing to have out, but I like it as kind of a, a display item that's also functional, where I yeah. can go up to that one book and tap on it, and boom, I can start reading it in my visor. And that's really cool. But again, we're talking about a locker. So there's not much of a, a visual representation. It, he taps it well, and it opens. It still adds to the realism, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think that's the point. Like I said, like I think what he's what they're trying to get across here is they want it to feel as much like an actual school as they possibly can. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, everything from, you know, from the chatter in the hallways to a bell and everything mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? I mean, like, if you think about it, if if they really wanted to do it, they could time it to where when the bell rings, no matter where you're at, you're in the classroom. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's not like you're going to take somebody off the can. You don't take a piss <laughs> in the Oasis. <laughs> so it's not like you're going to catch somebody in, like, a really embarrassing situation. Hopefully not. But Or you walk into the room and the stuff you need is already in your inventory. Right. Like, like we're already coming up with uh, with uh, solutions to the bugs in the software. Exactly. Yeah, we're troubleshooting the Oasis right now. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Halliday. I think we could make this better. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to interject on your on your suggestion of using uh, lockers. We think that's kind of ridiculous. No. <laughs> yeah. If he's anything like Steve Jobs, he'd probably take a swing at that point. <laughs> no, there will be lockers and real books. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm going to talk to somebody about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, thank. Thanks a lot. And like thanks five minutes lot. later, you get like a pink slip. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I said too much. <laughs> Should have just told him it was awesome. Should have just told I him love it was those lockers. Awesome. Nah, that's, that's, that's a great bit. <laughs> but anyways, you'll you'll see that it comes up every now and again in this book. And I, I think if there's one thing we've learned about Halliday so far, is that aesthetics are a big thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the Oasis, in that video, I mean, all of it is very, is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's very detailed. Um, he's, he's big into visual representations of things and that, like really kind of, um, invoking something in you, like an emo, like having like, you know, an emotional reaction to something visual. I think. And I think that's really what what lies behind, you know, him wanting to create the high school. Plus, I mean, if you think about, um, you know, 80s movies and a lot of, you know, 80s cultures, especially 
what you know what commonly referred to as you know the kind of geek culture a lot of that centers around you know the high school age and everything like that so so i think making a school for him was probably a pretty serious you know undertaking he wanted it to be perfect yeah that's yeah. just i'm i'm assuming i i could totally see that and I think there's something to be said about making it uncomfortably realistic, because if we're really going to get functional, why walk? You know, you could just twitch your nose and boom, you're in the room, right? But you're walking right. down a hall, some other guy walks up to you and makes fun of you. There's something There's something about the, the discomfort of having to go to your locker to go get your book, to stick it in your backpack. I'm willing to bet there's a limit to how much you can carry. It's still an authentic high school experience in that yeah. aspect. Yeah, yeah. And that's that had to be pretty pretty important to him too, you know. Yeah, I could see that. Um, okay, so uh, in in explaining his inventory, this provides um, uh, a way for Wade to basically segue into the fact that he has, you know, no money. This is sort of a reiteration of that point because the entire if first chapter. If you're poor in real life, you're about... poor in the Oasis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, kid. <laughs> It's free yeah. to play, but pay to go anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. So, so basically, items cost money in the Oasis. No real surprise there. It's free, like like Chris just said, it's free to get in. But when you're in there, if you want to travel, if you want to change what your character's wearing, um, all that kind of stuff, uh, you have to pay. It's 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 essentially a pay to win kind of strategy. Um, this exists today to some to some extent. Um, there are a lot of free to play games online. Uh, Smite is one that I've seen. I think I played a little bit of Smite. Um, I think there's another. There's a Star Trek game that's on on consoles right now. That's that's free to play. You could download it, put it on there, and you could do some basic running around missions and stuff like that. But in order to advance um, in in any way that's you know tolerable. You really do have to drop money. Yeah. But you go into IOI, and the biggest threat here is is IOI wanting to come in and take over the server and charge people a monthly fee. And, in fact, you've got this monetary system that's already working, and the whole thing's already making money. Why would you charge that on a per-month basis? You're reducing your audience. No, no, I think IOI would do it differently. It would be exactly the same format, but when you create a character, you have no clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the black shirt jeans, kid. You're just nude. <laughs> it's just dr- it's your worst dream. It's free, but you're nude. Well, that's it's Ark too. You, have you played Ark? I've not played Ark. Okay. Uh, everybody who's listening to this that has played Ark is probably thinking the same thing I am right now. I, I won't get into it because I don't want to bore these guys. But I could go on about Ark for hours. Great game. You should play it though. It's it's amazing. It's really cool. I will check it out. But you yeah. do drop in naked. You do drop in. <laughs> like in Terminator? Yes. <laughs> Except you don't get that cool crater thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, you get you get Todd 13 coming up and going, hey. <laughs> I noticed you're still naked like a baby. <laughs> Fuck off, clothes, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to the mute. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so... so there's all kinds of opportunities for Iowa to uh, exploit. We get into that a little bit deeper um, toward the end of this chapter. D- 
definitely more toward the end of the book. Um, at this point, though, one of the things he brings up, and this is pretty interesting, too, is that the world's current, you know, obviously we, we talked about the economic climate. Not good. Uh, in 2045, it's pretty bad. In the failing economy, uh, the Oasis, its its currency, its Oasis credits, that currency is worth more than any of the other world, you know, major world currencies: the yen, the dollar, the pound, um, the euro. I don't know if he had the euro in yeah, there. He did, I believe he did. He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's it's worth more than all of those currencies, and one of the things that we we kind of had in notes and wanted to talk to about a little bit, and I'm glad you're here, Chris, because you probably know a hell of a lot more about Bitcoin than we do. Um, and one of the questions that I have about Bitcoin is, as I understand it, if you bought Bitcoin back in its you know its heyday, whenever that was, just a few years ago. Apparently, it's worth a hell of a lot more now. Yes. Yeah. Well, why goes, is that? It's it's because Bitcoin is kind of like stock. It's it's almost like you're investing in time. You've got you've got a processor that's constantly chugging away. Bitcoin, as a part of Bitcoin, you are maybe getting and granted, I've not purchased any myself because a single Bitcoin costs a little over a grand right now. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, so it's very volatile. It's like a cross between money and stock, and the value of it is is somehow gauged based on how many people are are trading it, or or how it's being used in order to buy and sell and being collected. Hmm. So it's it's almost as if it is actual stock currency that is an investment in itself, but actually represents nothing but value. It would be as if you bought stock in cash, hmm. <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Or or maybe gold. Maybe gold is the better way to put yeah. it. It's, that's, it's yeah, like that's the, how I imagined Bitcoin to be, is somewhat like gold, I guess. Right. But but unlike the currency in the Oasis, Bitcoin is incredibly volatile. To give you an example, uh, Bitcoin right now today is at $1,041 per coin. But a couple of days ago... It was twelve hundred dollars. So in a few days or in two days, it dropped like a hundred, almost two hundred dollars. Wow! In value, and for some people who have a ton of coins, it's like that could be hundreds of thousands, or for some particular people, it could be millions of dollars. That's a, that's incredibly volatile. And just just a couple years ago, a bitcoin was worth two hundred and fifty nine dollars. Hmm. Jeez. And that's not the lowest that it's been. But it was much higher before that time, too. And that the recent uh, drop in Bitcoin was due to some some posting, some news article, something that happened. It, it wasn't even something that was reflecting of, oh, no, it's going away or no one's going to be using it anymore. It was just it was weird. So it has that weird fluctuation like stock. Yeah, I, I, I thought I didn't realize that the value was so flexible. I always I always imagined it uh, being created to be stable in a way how could you though because it's you know i mean you can you can use bitcoin in you know in a number obviously it's it's sort of a universal currency right Mm -hmm. so it's 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 nearly impossible to translate into actual money you know what i mean (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's weird. well, you compare it to like real money and you know the worth of a dollar for example fluctuates too, but I think because so many people use it and because there's so many businesses that have invested in that trade of value, that time for money, money for bread, mm-hmm. that it has an inherent value that is so widespread that it doesn't fluctuate nearly as much. But when you have something like Bitcoin that isn't as used by many people and isn't ex- as accepted by as many people, that can fluctuate. I mean, you know, our own our own money system is kind of like stock, but it's more on a global scale, I think. Yeah. And I'm not an economist. That's just how it comes across to me. Yeah. You know, I just like how it spins. <laughs> but I like that you can't track me when I use it for bad and naughty things. Right. <laughs> And that's, like that's, it. that's what it, I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of one of the things that gets criticized for too, is that it's, it's used for CD transactions, right? It's untraceable. No need to launder it. No, no. You, you can order invasive species of flowers if you want to and use Bitcoin, I imagine. But uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the gist is that it's, it's untrackable hmm. and you can make an exchange and you're done. You know, it's, it's, you cannot be connected to it. Wow. I mean, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not because I would do anything bad. I just, I don't know why. I just kind of like the privacy not going through my. The, sure, yeah, the privacy. Yeah, it's anonymity. Yeah, I mean, it's yes. it, it is a degree. Like you know, it's my money. I'll spend it on what I want. It's none of your business. Yeah, that's almost what cash is nowadays. I think. So it, yeah, it's it's neat to kind of see that. But I, I really like the fact that the economy is so unstable outside of the oasis that the oasis is the stability. Right. Uh, in that world, you got to imagine what would the world be like if if the power went out and the oasis was no longer available. Right. You know, all of the other economies have to be kind of leaning against it if that's the stable one. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's this chicken egg sort of situation when it comes to the oasis, right? It's like the world kind of starts to go to shit. Is it because the oasis is there to distract people from their everyday lives? Like what role did did you know did did the oasis have in in you know creating the energy crisis or at least pushing it over the edge? And then you get to this, and it's saying, oh, well, the, the economy of the world is failing. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of external factors, but what role does the existence of the Oasis play in that? You know what I mean? And that's something that we never really clear up, at least, you know, obviously not in this chapter, but, and, and we won't go into too much ahead, but that's, it's just one of those questions that, that I ask when I'm reading the book. Did the Oasis have a role in creating some finance or some some economic pressure for countries it seems like a snowball effect to me i think both things started to happen at the same time and it just kind of snowballed from there so they just kind of fed into each other's well one's downfall and the other's being successful it's it's weird it's it's worth it's worth a worth a thought at least you know what i mean oh yeah i, I think i think that it uh, we're kind of i think that's like a reflection on today because when you, when you kind of flip back the poorer you get as a society, the more basic you get in your search for for your you know your needs. Right. And if online is where your entertainment and your education and and really your real life is, you don't need much more than your chair and your haptic gloves and your visor and an internet connection. 
and 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 occasionally maybe you'll take that off and you'll pick up your cell phone and make a call for pizza. Yeah. Maybe you'll just have somebody deliver to you and knock on your door and you've a bathroom. I mean, you've basically got like a stripped down hotel room. I mean, your needs become far less when everything else is satisfied virtually. And when I look around my room, like I see posters and I've got monitors and I've got books and bookshelves. I got a lot. I've I've invested pretty deeply into our economy (laughs) (laughs) financially. I've got I've got a ton of stuff that might be considered like wasteful but when all of that kind of goes away with a visor that no longer allows you to look at it you're no longer buying that stuff so like the economy would totally shift if you no longer needed bookshelves think of how many bookshelf makers would be out of a job five (laughs) (laughs) it's like a grenade i just kind of threw it and counted to three Oh, there's got to be way more than that. It's got to be like six or seven. Yes. <laughs> and Ikea employs all of them. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Just throwing out a hard number there. They're not even in the Parse US. that out. Think about it. Send it back. You know. But Sorry. Was, <laughs> but, but, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not really, you know, I think, I think if you, if, if you're sort of, um, an economic or, you know, a, a little bit of a tech novice, um, you might look at that and you might think, oh, well, you know, so it's, it functions sort of like Bitcoin. Yes and no is, is what I'm getting there. It's a, not exactly, but, you know, it, it is an online currency and it is kicking the shit out of the rest of the world's economy in the book. <laughs> um, okay, so at this point... Wade's about to, uh, to, to leave his locker and, and start heading towards his class. And now, this is a very small thing, and I want to bring it up. When he goes to close the, close the door to his locker, he catches a glimpse of his avatar in the mirror. Now, before we talk about Wade's appearance, because we get a little bit of an idea of how his, his avatar looks in this part, but... That is one thing that has not been integrated, as far as I know, into any first-person experience in a game, is your your character's reflection in a mirror. It has, yeah. actually. Oh, really? Where? Where do you think, John? Your character, so first-person, uh, I don't I'm think, I'm trying to, th- I think there's a lot of, uh, RPGs that, uh, would have a reflection. I'm trying. I'm thinking Fallout Four even has it. No, it doesn't. In the beginning, but <laughs> believe me, man. Well, I mean, yeah. He keeps but... looking to look at himself. Like, oh, I can't see myself in the mirror here. Oh, <laughs> well, I always have not... to keep pulling out the third person there's and then the, just seeing the a butt man shot. I fell in love with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A man Quit and his dog. In the mirror. No, no, no I'm, trying, that, I'm thinking of like. A... A, I'm thinking like mm-hmm. Half Life. Even in Half Life. Yes. Uh, I think you could you see, see yourself, yourself in Half Life. Could you? But you can, you can go further back than that, even. Duke uh, uh, Nukem, nineteen ninety six. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, like, because Duke Nukem, you like, you'd walk in front of the mirror and you go, "Damn, I look good." <laughs> <laughs> 
like he was he was such a he was such an ass. He was like Johnny Bravo dickhead. <laughs> and he'd have the glasses. He'd have the blonde hair. Damn, I look good. You just you'd, you'd be like, yeah, that's my character. But right on. Like, what he else felt is he really supposed bad. to say? And you felt yeah. this is a guilty it's pleasure. You look you look like Max Headroom's unemployed brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I work out and I drink beer and I look at myself in the mirror. So what? Max has got a steady job. Can I crash on your couch for a while? <laughs> I, already, I already did it last night. Yeah. I'll pick up the cans tomorrow. But Duke Nukem, as early as 1996, he could, you could, you, I remember walking into a bathroom and him complimenting himself and me thinking, wow, that's the first time I've experienced this. That's kind of cool. Okay, well, that clears that up. <laughs> <laughs> have they put mirrors in games? Yes. They have. Those two, at least. I know I'm a big fan of, uh, of Bethesda's games. I'm a huge fan of, like a diehard fan of Fallout. And seeing yourself in a mirror is not something they've integrated into Fallout yet. I'd, I'd think that you'd, that you, in a game that is immersive, it's important because if you're going to confirm that you are a real person, it's sort of like that, that being able to look into a pond and see a reflection yeah. for the first time sort, right. of, sort of situation. Like you'd, you'd need to have that confirmation, that, that weird echo of reality yeah. that that's me. You've got to think like early man is looking into a pond for the first time and going... Damn, I need to shave. Or Damn, I know, look good. Damn, I look good. Where's some deer? I'm hungry. Uh, but but you you kind of you need that reflection of reality in in the in the real world to kind of solidify that you actually are something outside of you piloting yourself. Even in reality, like that's it, kind of affirming. You get up in the morning and and see yourself in the mirror. Well, yeah. not affirming for everyone, but uh, I, at least you know that you're alive. I avoid the mirror at all costs. Yeah, for, for me, real. it's a little depressing. <laughs> it's like, God damn, man, what have you done to yourself? <laughs> Every time, it's like, I feel tired and I look like that. <laughs> it's going to be a great day. I just tried not to look at myself from the side. <laughs> just, <laughs> just straight on. <laughs> just straight on. Damn, I look good. <laughs> if I start to turn, oh, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> I, I think for me, most mornings it's like, damn, this, this, this probably this hoodie won't get me fired, so I'll wear it. Fuck it. Oh man, but yeah. So uh, talking about speaking of hobbling together your appearance, um, Wade is a uh, basically his avatar is a much is a, a refined version of himself. Um. It's sort of like taking all the things that he doesn't like about himself and uh, and erasing them. And let's face it, if something like the Oasis existed in real life, who wouldn't do that? Well, I think everybody does that with characters they build anyway, you know, for games. At least I do. Any game that I can yeah. build my own character and it's uh, somewhat detailed, I try to try to get me as close as possible. Uh, mm -hmm. A perfected version of me. <laughs> I guess it's always. Like, <laughs> but you edit, uh, right? You edit a little bit. Well, they don't usually have all of the imperfections on there. It's not like I have a a scar across my face, and you know, 
That yeah, would look and good. that would look cool, by the way. Some of some of them they do. Have yeah, that. that's true. But I don't have like the <laughs> teenage acne and all that shit. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think everybody tries to build themselves into the game. I kind of I, I I I like that because you kind of control your reality at that point. And, you, and we kind of do that anyhow, right? Based on the clothes that we wear and where we go when we wear those clothes and how you feel when you put on that million-dollar suit and you're going to your best friend's wedding and you'll you'll never wear that suit again, but you'll look in the mirror and go, damn, I look good. Damn, I look good. <laughs> you know, but, you, you know, you have those moments where you feel confident because of how you look mm-hmm. and you're controlling how you look to influence the people around you. So it's neat for him to say that, you know, what was common for females is kind of that, that over-exaggerated porn star look or that crazy, incredibly thin model look, but that these are individuals that are, at least he's hinting at that, not realistic, that they're not reflecting themselves well. Right. What he's really saying is these are individuals that are insecure with a large part of their identity and that they don't want it reflected into the real world or uh, into the oasis. Whereas he kind of falls back and says, well, I've scrubbed a few small details, but for the most part, it's me. Uh, is is kind of really to sit back and say that while he's a little bit critical about himself, he's really pretty well embraced, where he identifies people in that world as not being very well embraced. And maybe that's because of the monetary difference or an inability to purchase something other than a black shirt. I don't know, but maybe that's the one thing he could control, and he was pretty happy with who he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was humorous that he was, uh, you know, my avatar looks like me, but uh, aside from, you know, not having the acne, I've got a smaller nose, I gave myself muscles, I'm a little taller, slightly thinner. (laughs) But for for all intents and purposes. But it looks like me. Totally me. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But yeah, I can imagine that it looks, he probably probably built it to look very similar to him, where other people build it to be this fantasy version of themselves. Right. I but I don't know why, and maybe this is just like because of what you know who I was as a kid. But whenever I build an avatar, like I have, like you know, I could build the face, make the face look like you know whatever I want. I always try to make it look like Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones. <laughs> you think you you think you look like a Every... poor man's Harrison Ford? Do I? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Dis- I, I wouldn't disparage. <laughs> I uh, see it. I, no, no. I'm not saying that I look like him. I just. I don't want it. Like if I'm playing a game, it's like, yeah, I, I don't want that poor bastard to look anything like me. So I'm just gonna go for <laughs> Indiana Jones. I'm gonna go for Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. Maybe it's uh, because. Maybe it's because like somewhere in you know somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm like, if I could look like anybody, I'd look like that. Yeah. You could call it a man crush if you want. Okay, it's a man crush. Yeah. Let me go there before you do, John. <laughs> you must have seen if it. If I on my say face. it first, I can't take offense to it. Yeah. Now, All right. now I can't say anything. If you had to design a character, then after an avatar to represent yourself forever, John, who would you be? Who would you be? We know he's Harrison Ford. Oh. Wow, that's a great question. Oh man, Ryan puts his fist up like this is this. Here it comes. Uh, Called it. Man, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the coolest guy ever. The Fonz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Be by the way, he's a tunnel snake. 
<laughs> from Fallout 3. What the hell is his name? We're Tuttle Snakes and we rule. What the hell was what the hell was his name? Henry Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler. <laughs> not gonna By be the way, Henry Winkler. He's, he's not very cool right now. <laughs> no, we were just, Chris and I were talking about this the other day at work. He's like, kind of he's, like he's a walking fucking vending machine for dad jokes now. He's just <laughs> Well, now we're in the show in Happy Days. Now, oh, now, now he yeah. was in Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was cool, but he. I mean, how much older was he than the rest of them? <laughs> well, oh. We try not to talk about that because if you if you if you dig too far into that, it gets real fucking crazy. Was he like in the thirties? <laughs> like in his thirties when he was on that show? Too old to be hanging out with high school kids all the time. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That is kind they of They just funny. wanted the free jukebox, man. <laughs> hey, Fonz, it won't work. Hey, it's, if you're the Fonz, hey, man, every jukebox bam. is free. <laughs> All you got to do is look at it. Or man, I, I guess I uh, maybe, a, maybe a Bond. Maybe like Connery. Uh, Connery would be pretty would be pretty cool avatar to build. You could whiten the beard a little bit. It could it could be kind of you, like a, a younger a younger Connery kind of resembles yeah, you. Yeah, I could do a little mixture of the two. I wouldn't have the would accent. Would you change your... I would love the accent, but... You wouldn't have the accent. <laughs> John? <laughs> Sean and John, they rhyme. <laughs> be, you look good as be me. easy to get into that reality. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Who would you be? Oh, God. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like Sean Connery, too. I, I could even do the voice. <laughs> Um, who would I be? Uh, I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's tough uh, on the spot, isn't it? It really is. Um, uh, Matthew Broderick, early Matthew Broderick. War games, right. War games, Matthew Broderick. War games, Matthew Broderick. Or maybe even a little later, because Ferris you know, stay off. Yes, that was that was his that was the top of his game right there. I think for was, sure. Uh, you know, and then then he went medieval with uh, Lady Hawk, um, <laughs> and, and it just went downhill from there. I think. That makes uh, sense. He just, oh no, he was in Godzilla. And, I don't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Because they paid, I saw spent a lot of money on I it. I saw it. And, well, they appreciate your patronage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I would totally. Uh, I would totally do Matthew Broderick and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's a good just, one. Young and confident and fairly hot looking. It's the right peak of time, I think. I'm well past that now, but man, if I was to go back, I would totally do that vest and white shirt thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like, it's it's one of those things, like, not too many people can pull that off and not look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't arrogance. It was just him having a good time. It was just him, yeah. I was honestly Lid-box. expecting you to say someone like maybe Bruce Campbell or something. Bruce Campbell's a good one. I could uh, totally uh, it, maybe if I was going for an older, more rugged and roguey character, Bruce Campbell, and any one of the stuff that he plays because it's pretty much the, the same same, same character. Ex- except <laughs> yeah. for where, except for when he played Elvis, and that was really good. I Did you ever that. see that show, Burn Notice? <gasps> Love Burn. I Notice. heard it. Was Burn good, Notice but... was good, but they did they did an entire. It was like an hour and a half long episode. That was sort of like, it wasn't like an origin story for him, but it was like the story of like one of his like special operations missions in like South America. It, was it that was... the one where he wears the floral shirt and has a mojito? <laughs> Isn't that every episode? 
Isn't that every Bruce Campbell movie? I mean, like, I'm not picking on him. I mean, because that's me, by the way. Like, I have floral shirts. I love mojitos. That's, that is my go-to alcoholic drink of choice. I was At even proud about it. At one point in my life, my arm was a chainsaw. <laughs> really? It got better. No, I love Bruce Campbell. That's a good point. I would totally do. I would totally do a Bruce Campbell. Maybe a Silent Bob. Ooh, Silent. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, because that's a little bit closer to my frame. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could... Like it's like yeah. I, I'm pretty firm. I'm pretty firm on uh, on Harrison Ford though, and I've given this some thought, and I'll tell I'll I'll tell you exactly. Um, I'll tell you exactly why. We get into we get into uh, the naming of avatars at this point in the book. Um, now, everybody's avatar has a unique name, okay, and that's what you, that's your identity within the Oasis. When you're in school, however, it's a little bit different. Um, but he, you know, Wade starts to talk about um, Parzival, which is his uh, his his uh, avatar. I keep wanting to say gamer tag. And I almost stumble every time we talk about this. Basically the same thing, but isn't it? We're going to say yeah. Avatar name because that's what he says in the book. It's essentially the same thing, yeah. Or like Handle, I guess, is something it used to be called. Username. Avatag. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Pars of all is his. And he, cho- he chose this um, from uh, the Arthurian legend of uh, Percival, who was the one uh, that, that found the Holy Grail. Um. But at this point, you know, he tells us that his first his first avatar name was Wade underscore the underscore great, <laughs> which is if, every, if let's let's say, let's damn say, name out there. If you're being <laughs> honest, if you're being 100 percent honest with yourself and the beautiful community of people who are listening to this show, your first gamer tag was something embarrassing. I almost guarantee it. It was kind of. Yeah. What was yours? John, you go. No, first. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it was cannon fodder. Cannon fodder. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. I look. I right, here's the thing. Right is first off, I wasn't good to start off with, and probably still not great. But, but the idea here was that it wasn't pretentious. That I was fodder for your cannon. I was something to shoot at. <laughs> That wasn't worth anything. <laughs> That's really what I was saying with that name. So first username was cannon fodder. Nice. That's still kind of cool, That's though. Not bad. I like That's that bad. one. Uh, mine was well. When I had to create it, uh, I had I was given a gift for Christmas. One of those shitty, like you know, dollar store gifts from somebody you don't care about. And it was a game of Moncala, and I always had that at the <sighs> side of my desk. And for some reason, when I had to come up with my first name, I thought. Oh, Moncala, that's a unique name. So I used some variation of Moncala. And then after I Heart Huckabee's, uh, after I saw I Heart Huckabee's, I kind of I kind of expanded <laughs> it to yeah, I expanded it to Moncala Hour. So it basically it started as Moncala for that reason, and then it developed into any variation of that that's uh, that's available, you know, depending on the game or whatever I'm using it for. So that was your first? Moncala, is that, is Moncala the... I think it was Moncala 7. It was Moncala 7, I remember. Yeah. 
So is that still your your gamer name? Uh, on some of them it might be <laughs> Moncala Seven or Moncala Hour Seven or Mon Moncala Geo Seven. Some some variation of it. So I wish when I created my first my first gamer tag, I really wish that I had Chris's foresight to be humble about it. <laughs> Instead. I tried to think of like I, I can't remember like I wanted to be like like something to do with this I can't even remember where my fucking head was when I came up with this like harebrained idea, but anyways I ended up looking up cloud of death in Latin, and it came up as pestis nebula and I was like fuck yeah that sounds great, <laughs> so I picked pestis nebula. Here's the problem: if you don't know Latin, you're gonna look at that and you're gonna say. Why is your name Penis Nebula? <laughs> I got that almost every fucking time. And I'm like, it's not penis, it's pestis. Or pestis. You know, what the fuck is pestis? Like pestilence? Like, the, is, is something with the root pestis? But, penis festivus. Right. So, like, but people who did know Latin, they would be like, pestis nebula. And then they would make a fart joke. And I was like, man, I can't fucking win with this name. Like, it's just bad all around. <laughs> If you got a crappy name, you've done the work for them, and it takes oh, all, yeah. the, all the wind out of their sails. Yeah, <laughs> all of the uh, death, the deathly wind from the deathly cloud, Pestis Nebula. So yeah, I I, uh, I booked it away from that name. So um, and, and where did you end up? I I ended up with uh, this. This is actually born out of a late night conversation between John and I, where we were riffing on. Um, on, on Han Solo's piece of shit brother, like we made up this character named Ron Solo, that was just like this piece of shit, you know, crashed on the couch of the Millennium Falcon's constantly bumming money and stuff. Sent like goes to bars and tells people he's the captain of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> like just just a complete like like you know piece of shit. And uh, so we we just like for some reason. Yeah, and like Chewie hates him and always wants him to get like leave, and it's just like yeah, we we, we went off on this for like three hours. He passes one night out at the when bar John was visiting. Han's like, Chewie, grab Ronald, <laughs> just just get him. We got it. We got to take off from this planet, man. We can't. You know, it's Chewie, Chewie in his own voices. You know, I don't want to pick his ass up again, man. Just leave without him. You're always you're always disappointed that we brought. No. So, anyways. Um, so, so my gamer tag now is Captain Ron Solo. Truly a hive of villainy. Wait, Ron's not here? Oh, no, this is a pretty good place now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that one. I think I'll, I think I'll let it stick. Yeah, What's yours good. now? Uh, I, I continued along the line of self-deprecation. Uh, now you can find me as Sailcat. Sailcat. As Sailcat. All right. Sailcat has a story. Sailcat, Sailcat was like a, a, a one-episode cartoon about a cat that was given uh, the power of everlasting life but was accidentally hit by a truck. So then it's flattened, but now it has the mystical power of being able to peel itself off the road and fly to wherever it's needed. <laughs> and that's me in-game. Uh, it's cannon fodder still, but I'm going to get killed. Um, I'm going to come back. I'm not going to be much better, <laughs> but I will fly right to where I'm needed. <laughs> <laughs> to once again be run over. <laughs> but, but the idea is that it's 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 roadkill that's been dried and flattened so much that you can peel it up and throw it like a disc. 
That's it's cool. not a pretty nice. picture to imagine. See, when you, nice. said, when you said Sailcat, I thought you were going to say that YouTube video. <laughs> there is. There was a band called Sailcat. <laughs> no. I didn't know that until like a week ago. Uh, and there was a cartoon called Sailcat that I didn't know until after I'd chosen the name. So There's a band I, called Sailcat? No, there is a band called Sailcat. But I, you know the YouTube video I'm talking about where like the cat's on like the ledge and it's that, uh, that stupid sail, like that electronic music song? And then, like, yes. the cat, j- like, right when they say sail, the cat, like, <laughs> shoots and, like, cat falls down. <laughs> that, that's, uh, yeah, that would be a gift that I would, I would uh, embrace. Yeah. It, it, Absolutely. It, that's, so that's what, that was immediately, like, when you said sail cat, I was like, I wonder if, <laughs> but no. That's great, man. That's a name that gets referenced in so if many you ways. you chose sail cat before the cartoon, where did you, what inspired it? Oh, my mom made an off comment about a dead cat on the side of the road, I think. <laughs> oh, that's a sail cat. And I was like, really? Why? Because you can scrape it off and throw it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Gross, mom. You know, at, at the time I was Catholic, Sad so story. I was kind of like, you mean? Sorry to bring it up. I was up. like, uh, <laughs> you mean like it'll go to heaven? No, no, no. Somebody just go play. <laughs> no, child. <laughs> Someone will scrape it up. That you throw it. <laughs> Someone will scrape it up with a spatula and throw it like a toy. <laughs> it will oh. fall. And guess what? It's still dead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I found out it wasn't very original, so it's unfortunate. That's or it great. caught on. One of the two. I think it caught on. It caught on so much that on EA it's Sailcat Five. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only one. Like Wade Three. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, just not as original as I'd like it to be. But great segue there, man. I like you. <laughs> what's it? What, real quickly though, John. What's yours? Is it still Moncala? Yeah, it's still Moncala. Moncala. Because you bought a P. You, you you bought a PS4. Yeah, that one Despite... is Mon- uh, Moncala Geo. So it's almost like Moncala Moncala Geo. If that makes sense. Uh, like like a Bellagio kind of. Yeah, thing? almost. Well, I was. Uh, it, well, before we named our son, one of the one of the possible names was Geo or Giovanni. So I just kind of added that to the end of. Moncala, and then we didn't end him, and then we didn't name them Geo, so I'm stuck with it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so <laughs> as Chris, as Chris mentioned, um, in 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 the Oasis, Wade is Parzival, Gunter, superhero, thinner, taller, <laughs> no acne, stronger. And uh, when he's at school, uh, still no acne, still taller, still stronger, but he is simply Wade three. Um, yeah. So this is a, this is sort of like, and it's it's kind of strange to think about it this way, but they it's almost like a third identity for Wade, where he's got his real life identity, his school identity, which is Wade three. And then Parzival, which is the Gunter identity or his his identity throughout the Oasis. And I correct me if I'm wrong on this. It might be one of those details that I just kind of overlooked. But everybody in school knows his name is, you know, Wade Three. So so obviously they know his first name is Wade. They have they have no other information about Wade. They don't know, you know, how old he actually is, what he actually looks like, what his last name is, nothing like that. Do they know 
that his name outside of outside of the school is Parzival. Yeah, I, it seems like something he could. I mean, I don't think they would prohibit him from discussing that with other people. No. But are you talking about right. the school itself knowing whether he was Parzival or not? I think no. I think the school does. Because one of the things they mention in here, and this is you know coming up in the chapter, is that the school actually is the only ones that that have all of that information about him, and, like and his address, his real name, mm-hmm. and more importantly, just the principal. Yeah, like just, just the principal. one person. Right. Why don't we reflect on Artemis and and H? Because those are two names that are brought up. Because we talked about Parzival, and that's cool. But but it kind of introduces into to H and Artemis as gamer names too. So those are, th- those are two those are two more that we know. Yeah, that, yeah, those those yeah. are the other two that we know, uh, and I don't think that they say for further into the book. It's it's a it's a hint into how people choose the names for their identities, mm-hmm. and I thought that was kind of cool. And I want to just, just imagine this for just a quick second here because it, I think it's neat because in the beginning they say that they don't really get into they consider religion to be. Uh, a hoax. It's that lie that the parents tell you that you get disappointed with awfully quickly when you start reading a lot of books. But the author then reflects back, and Parzival is this Arthurian uh, legendary character, and his goal is to to find the Grail. And I think that's kind of nice because that that kind of has all kinds of religious overtones on top of that. But then mm-hmm. Artemis is the Greek. An, an ancient Greek deity. She's the goddess of the hunt. Mm-hmm. And no doubt that that was chosen to kind of go into that. But but it's interesting because it's also, you know, it's the hunt for the egg is often referred to the hunt in the book. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you talk about H, now H is mysterious. And I, even though I've, I've read and listened to the book a number of times, I don't remember what the end name is, and I'm not going to give it away if I did. But I, I would be willing to bet that H is kind of a Hermes-like character. Like, if you were going to create these are these unique characters, you're really creating a, a, a mythic story. You need mythic characters. So I kind of right. wonder if the author didn't instill these sort of subtle mythic qualities into these characters. And, I, and the reason why I say H is because I could, I could kind of see H as like a Hermes. Mm-hmm. The messenger, able to move quickly between the worlds. He's, he's a god of athletics and sports and roads and boundaries and traveling and also perceived as a trickster. And these are all characters, characteristics that settle on H in some way. That's a really good point. Yeah. So that I, hadn't I, that hadn't occurred to me. It's it's really interesting that they kind of bake in these sort of these mythical god archetypes. And, and no doubt it was probably well thought, and I might be reaching as far as the H thing is concerned. I don't think are, so, though. Uh, you know, in, this is something that we, we won't dig into too much detail to, yeah, to, to kill John on this one. But, like, you, and you'll, I, I want you to remember that specifically, just that, that, that description that he gives, you know, or, or that correlation with Hermes, because it'll be interesting for you to have that point of reference even going in fresh and reading H as we go on, because it really is. I, I think, I, I think that's one of the benefits too of, of us going chapter by chapter is that that's something that we could definitely extrapolate. Like I, you know, I'm thinking as soon as you were bringing up some of those points, I was immediately going to places in my head where I'm like, God, it's just oh. you can really tie that in. That makes so a lot I, of sense. I think it's interesting that this that the Oasis feels like like the, a world outside of reality. It's mm-hmm. this 
it, you know, this very sort of mythical realm that they are kind of within, and they get to be these mythical characters. So I just, when you ask what's in a name, and I look at these names, like I'm like, oh my god, those are awesome. Those mm-hmm. are awesome gamer names. And then I look at Sailcat, and I go, hmm, no. Even if, <laughs> even if I was awesome, they totally wouldn't put my name on like joysticks. And hey, stuff, it's, huh? it's it's still it's better than Pimp Grease. <laughs> 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 or yeah. uh, or what was the other one? Big Wang sixty nine. <laughs> Big Wang sixty nine. You know Those what? People. I'll tell you what the stupidest the stupidest gamer tag I've ever uh, I've ever seen. And sorry if you're listening to this kid. You know whoever you were. And it it just like for some reason I was obsessed with it for like a day because I was like I don't know what that is but it sounds gross. <laughs> oh God. Ham cavern. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was just hand yeah, cabin, and I was like, "That just sounds disgusting." <laughs> I don't know. Like, I never even bothered to like type it into Urban Dictionary just to see what it was. <laughs> I'm sure it's something, and and the fact that I don't know like points to my age. But Jesus <laughs> Christ, that just sounds gross. It sounds if wrong. You, if you could call somebody a ham cavern and offend them, yeah, that would be kind of wrong. <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't know how you could do anything but with the two words yeah. put together. Ham cavern. It just sounds. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna try that the next time I'm playing online with my friends. Uh, I'm gonna you know when somebody's getting out of hand with a really crappy name, I'm gonna see your mom's a ham cavern, <laughs> dude. And I'd know because I love bacon. <laughs> what the fuck's that supposed to mean? <laughs> I have no idea, but doesn't it sound bad? Does it sound awful? I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would appreciate an update. On that. All right. So, what's what is the, what, the ham cavern's bad? What's what is the worst that you've experienced, John? I don't remember any really. I usually it like if I'm playing, like say I'm playing Call of Duty or something, you know. If I see somebody with a really annoying name, that's who I'm going after <laughs> every time. <laughs> but really, none, none, none come to mind. I um, I, I think the worst that I remember is one that I picked for a very short period of time because I felt bad using it, and it was rectal bleeding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay yeah all right okay I, I know it's going through your mind but here's the thing <laughs> uh, what else could go through my mind <laughs> whenever you got killed it would say you were killed by <laughs> rectal bleed <laughs> okay okay and that was and that was funny for all of about five hours <laughs> and after a while it was shameful <laughs> Why is that so funny to me? <laughs> it's just like, no, what it is is like, I, like I, I'm totally like, it tells a full story. Because like, you probably thought about that, like, you know, like in PvP matches, like you were killed by Rekka you are like, ha, great decision, I'm going to do it. And well, a friend of, an, a friend of mine and like, I did this. Three hours later, you're like, Oh, fuck, I didn't think about that. <laughs> His was like, you know, uh, brain cancer, I think. And we were like, this is great. We'll be like hor- horribly lethal diseases. Yeah. And then we picked the most disgusting and shameful diseases you could possibly imagine. And and that was it. That's who. That's what you got killed by. I think I may have been killed by you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a horrible name. I'm. I'm... All right, so... Uh, Gregarious Simulation Systems, the company founded by Halliday that runs the Oasis, cannot 
uh, look up any information on the user other than their username. Um, this this kind of you know it, it, these were this this was a right that Halliday won by taking uh, uh, t- taking it to the Supreme Court um, to to uh, protect his users and their identity, which is a cool thing <laughs> for for him to do. Um, and not too far off, I have it. I, I made note about this. Not too far off uh, from what Apple did a couple of years ago, right? Where the, yeah. with the terrorists in California, right? They had yeah. the the iPhone, and Apple wouldn't unlock it for them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think didn't they at first say that there was no way to unlock it? No, I think it was basically. I think the argument was if we unlock this phone for this purpose then we're opening up the door to unlocking it for right. any any suspicion whatsoever because what if they opened up the phone or unlocked the phone and there was nothing on it yeah and and there's less uh, confidence in your product if you're just willing to if there's a back door that there's a back door is a problem yeah and and yeah. their main argument was look we we made the security really strong so that we couldn't hack it so if you're asking us to hack our own security and then hand over the back door to the government who's notorious for not funding their technology internally. And I've worked for the government, and my sites have been hacked. I came in one day. I worked for a, a company here whose name I, I can't – I'm not going to say. But uh, the, the government would, didn't have the funding to pay for the servers for their Department of Education. Some of the sites for the Department of Education. That's some of the sites I worked on. I came in one day, big black screen, hacked by the Turkish hacker, blinking. Wow. And uh, it was amusing. And then I thought, oh, God, now I've got to take the site down and I've got to scrub the server and, and all this stuff. But the, it was a, it was a, I don't know if you're familiar with hacking parlance here, but it was a buffer overflow that they did on the browser where they just put in so many characters. And the browser at the time didn't limit it. And the system that received it didn't limit it and would have if the server had been updated. And what that does is that throws in a little bit of executable into memory if you do it the right way. And when it gets into memory and it executes, it does something very small and very basic because it isn't a whole lot of code. But that small and basic thing might be, you know, installing a little bit of code that opens up a page that gives you access to stuff on the back end. Mm-hmm. Like manipulating files, you know, could open up, you know, uh, an additional page of HTML that allows you to upload your code right to the heart of the web server. Little things like that. Huh. Uh, wild. Uh, and they were they were using it as a streaming service for movies. I found the Italian version of um, of Zoolander. <laughs> Which, which I hate the movie to begin with, but the Italian version is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the language does not translate well into the humor of that movie. Sure. <laughs> I wonder how you say blue steel in Italian. <laughs> it's whatever it is, it's not going to sound great. Yeah, well, mostly, be, mostly not because Italian sucks, but because it's, you know, it's, it's Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, nobody wants to be translated into that movie. But, <laughs> but see, that was a real thing. So the idea of, hey, we'll just hold on to that. We'll just we'll just keep 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 that over here. It's like no, no, it's, you're yeah. gonna get hacked. Anyone's gonna get a hold of it. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's it was cool because I went and then I read what it was that the government was demanding. I read the order 
and then I watched the three hours of the interrogation amongst the Senate uh, between the lawyers of for Apple and and um, who's the guy who's who's the main FBI dude Comey his name Comey, is James Comey. Comey that's it yeah uh, just just fascinating so that this was in the book is kind of fascinating because I always kind of compared I've always compared the Oasis to something that Apple would put out and the personalities around the putting out of the Oasis are very Apple. They're, they're very much like, right. Like the characters that, that Apple produces for, uh, for us to chew on. Yeah. And I, it's just, it's so similar. I got to think that the book came out before that event. I'm and not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure it I'm did. I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. And, and yeah, and the similarities between, between the the masterminds behind GSS um, is something that you'll you'll see you know in in the next couple of chapters, John, you'll see it, and you'll immediately know what we're talking about. Like it's it, it's it's a uh, it's almost a mirrored representation of well, no, yeah, I, I mean, the I founding follow, of Apple. Yeah, I follow that. Ways. Uh, um, it seems very like more u- based on the user and user friendly, uh, much like. Apple seems to be. <laughs> yeah, it, but well, I mean, I mean, it's in it's in probably the most outright way that you could probably imagine. <laughs> you'll see it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But I don't want to, you know. Again, chapter by chapter, it'd be easy for me to spoil a lot for you. But this this is one you'll you'll we'll revisit it when we get there, and you you'll uh, you'll have a pretty good laugh. Sure, it. but. So the the outcome for the Apple uh, the Apple situation was that some some third party ended up hacking the phone, right? Did they pay, evidently they paid millions? Oh, to really? Hack the, they had to hack the phone, yeah, to open it up. And it's possible, but it requires a lot of technology. And my understanding is you got to like get right on the chip. Uh, it's 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 hard, and and I wasn't even sure if it'd be doable. But now Apple kind of reflects back and says, "Oh yeah, those little things that that they hacked, we've totally figured that out, and it's not even possible now." So yeah, a lot of good that'll do you. But you know, it's 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 one of those things. I mean, does it, you know, information security is obviously something that's constantly evolving and has to because there's constantly somebody trying to break it. You know, right? So it's this cat and mouse game of which is faster. You know, the progress for info security. Or the means to breach it, and I, I totally get wanting to keep people secure and to protect them and to try to glean any information you can. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's like you said, it's a race. And the minute that any government tries to force somebody to bake a back door into anything, well, we know how that ends up. It ends up in thermal global nuclear war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as soon exactly. As, as soon as some developer decides to throw his kid's name as a backdoor password, <laughs> Joshua, you know his his, his dead child is a backdoor <laughs> password into a computer simulation. Uh, you know, it turns into a, a nuclear shitstorm. <laughs> yeah. So we're we talking war games, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you caught that reference. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that. That's why programmers shouldn't do that. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so the school does have access to all the info, but the principal is the only one who has access to it. Now, mm-hmm. uh, did you read Ghost in the Wires? I've not. Chris, no. no? John, no, I know you no. haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't read Ready Player One. There's no way you've read that book. <laughs> But um, but no, Ghost in the Wires is a story. You know who Kevin Mitnick is, right? 
Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he was he's regarded as one of the first, if not the first, hacker. Um, and I won't go into his full story, but, uh, but, but Ghost in the Wires is a great book. I recommend it to everybody out there. Um, it's a fun read. Uh, but but one of the things that he talks about it, you know, his his start was was hacking the phone company, and that 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 required some savvy, uh, some tech savvy to, to to be able to do that, some understanding of um, uh, you know of coding and things like that. It really had a lot more to do with uh, what he called in the book social engineering. Um, mm-hmm. which is finding not a way to work around the system, but to work around the people who held the keys to the system. Hmm. And, you know, misrepresent himself to them, talk his way around it, um, you know, act like, you know, at some points that he was like a tech out in the field working on the phone lines and he needed this password or this piece of information. And that was his way in. And he did this a lot. And it was always a fail-safe for him. And it just seems like if 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 there is a back door, or if there is in you know if there's one person or two people who who know, you know that there is an exploit, it's not safe. <laughs> yeah, and it never really will be. Part one concluded. Don't sweat it. Part two will be available in the coming days. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and other platforms where quality podcasts are found. If you like the show. Please submit a review. You can also contact Ryan and John at gttgp.pod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at gttgppod. You can also leave a voice recording at their website, gttgp.com. I've learned a song for you, Daisy, Daisy. Give me your answer, do. I'm half crazy all for the love of you.